People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Oh, hum. I hope I hit it big on these slot machines. I'm just some schmo who owns a car dealership. Dealership. Called Uniprime. Excuse me, uh, sir. My name is Alfred. I'm, uh, look, I'm here playing the slot machines in Las Vegas, just like you. Well, have a seat, Alfred. You look like a businessman. I am a businessman. Actually, I'm also a scientist. And I have some big news to tell you. And I'm looking for a partner. Big news? Yes. Partner? Yes. So listen, don't tell anyone, but I got the cure to AIDS, okay? And I need someone to partner with to make it a business so we can make a big splash in the United States and tell everyone, look, we have the cure to AIDS. You don't happen to run a business, do you? Well, I do. And it's called Uniprime. Great. Is is it a science technology uh, business? Not even close. What is it? It's it's a car dealership. uh, Dealership. Perfect. Do you mind having an AIDS section of that business? I'll get the guys working on it right away. An AIDS curing section, I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not just an AIDS section. Yeah. The cure to AIDS. Uniprime. We're going to be a huge hit now that it's the 90s. It's almost 2000. It's the late 90s. It's 1999, actually. As late as you can get in the 90s. I am really looking forward to um, New Year's Eve this year. Yeah, that'll be a new millennium. Yeah, pretty scary. Y2K. Hey, you want a vodka vodka tonic? Hey, excuse me, sweetheart. Can we get two vodka tonics, please? Welcome back to Fraudsters. I'm Cena Gazavi. That's Justin Williams. Shayna Feinberg and Chris Manley, they are a wife and husband filmmaking duo, and they are responsible for that cold open, and we really appreciate them. We'll talk to them at the end of the show. They are friends of the show. They're friends of ours. We've both done projects together. We love collaborating with them. They were nice enough to send us a little bit that we were going to do, and I wanted to have them on because Uniprime is the reason there is Fraudsters. Two years ago, I was reading a Bloomberg article about cannabis and how there was a lot of big talk about the the stock price of cannabis stocks being overinflated and all this stuff. And yeah, I get it. You know, we were all excited about weed. We wanted to invest in the weed. We wanted to smoke the weed. We wanted to invest in the weed again. We wanted to smoke the weed again. It's all it's all very reasonable, right? But in the article, I found this line 
where he used to encapsulate the kind of late 90s stock bubble bursting, right? And it was about Uniprime saying that they cured AIDS and their stock price went from 62 cents per share to $7.95 per share. And then the president of the company got arrested and sent to prison for fraud. And when I saw that, I was like, holy sweet Jesus, this is insane. And I thought, there's got to be other stories like this. Not maybe people saying they cured AIDS, but other fraudsters. And here we are. Look at us. We've got 35 episodes this season and an infinite number of fraudsters to cover in this show. And a lot of thanks goes to everyone out there that's been emailing fraudstersLPN at Gmail and on our Instagram at fraudstersLPN. And people, if you even want, you can call and leave us a voicemail, 702 721 7437. I'll say the number again because it's fun. 702-721-7437. Tell us fraud stories, whatever you want. And make those messages extra breathy and creepy. That's why I like them. Yeah, exactly right. And so I remember I told the last podcast network guys about this and they were like, hell yeah. They told the Spotify people. Spotify was like, hell yeah. I told Justin. Justin was like, hell yeah. I told Hazel about Frosty. She was like, hell yeah. And now look, we're here. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hail yourself, oh, as they say on the last exactly. podcast. As they say, hail yourself. So today we're going to do one episode on these guys, and specifically Alfred J. Flores and his 1999 fraudulent cure for AIDS called Plasma Plus. You can watch uh, the the new season of The Mandalorian on Plasma Plus. It's very good. (laughs) Exactly. And as we go through this, the fraud here is pretty straightforward. Con man gets the mark to do the work for him. Mark facilitates the fraud, and then the con man cashes out. Or or at least he had hoped he would cash out. But what I find most interesting is not the mechanics of this fraud, but it's how the stock price spiked. Because that's the real fraud here. What I think you'll find is that in 1999, people took a small piece of information, thought it was real, spread it to others, which in turn made the price jump. And then, of course, others saw that because it turned viral and they needed to jump on board and do the same thing. But Justin, thankfully, more than 20 years later, we've evolved beyond that. I never see anyone online anymore believing in something that was intended to manipulate them. Never. And thankfully, Justin, we have trusted information institutions that vet information before it spreads viral. Fake news, buddy. Fake news. I believe in our news institutions. <laughs> we have not evolved at all. I get all my news from memes on Facebook. That's how I know what's going on. Exactly right. I mean, I just can't believe that, and you're going to find this out in this episode, and we're also going to talk about like the context of where all this happened, What a clusterfuck our society is that in 20 years, we have not even moved an inch into figuring out how to have literacy in the internet. No, it's actually, I have to check with my students a lot of times. I go, hey, have you guys ever heard of this craziest thing you've ever heard of that's everywhere on the internet? And I have to say that as a way to before I lecture on something. 
because I'm like, you're going to think I'm lying when I go to my lecture if you believe this crazy thing that's out there on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into it. Woke up this morning, could have sworn it was a trading day. The pills were all purple, there were people running everywhere. Trying to get a refund on shares, you know I don't even care. Say, say, 2000 zero, zero, party over, oops, out of time. So tonight I'm gonna party like it's 1999. I was in a tourist when I wrote this, so sue me if I go too fast. Life is just a party, and parties weren't meant to last. AIDS is all around us, my mind says prepare for flight. So if I gotta lie, I'm gonna go on a message board tonight. Say, say, two thousand zero zero party over, oops, out of time. So tonight I'm gonna party like I just bought Uniprime. All right, so it's 1999, and for those of you that don't remember... Y2K was all the rage, and some of you, as I've been informed, were not even alive then. So totally cool, it's fine, we're going to explain it a little bit here. Y2K stands for year 2000, the K being the thousand, right? And it was when the entire world was at the whim of computer programmers. Again, we've evolved so much farther than where we were at in 1999. And so these computer programmers, through both uh, convenience and cost savings, when they were originally building all of the information systems that run our economy, they only made the date two digits. (laughs) And in the old days, each digit kind of mattered when the computers were as big as gymnasiums. So why use four when two will work just fine? But then, several years later, they were like, Wow, what's going to happen when it's 2000, double zero? Time will be no more. Enter global hysteria. And so I found some uh, great clips. Enter global hysteria or Y2J, Chris Jericho. (laughs) Exactly. And Justin, you remember, people were going nuts over Y2K, and they were like, all kinds of different people uh, doing videos, and the the media was reporting on it. Leonard Nimoy put out a whole uh, uh, informational video on it. There still exists a general state of either denial, complacency, or even apathy 
about both the reality and the potential effects of Y2K. At the stroke of midnight, January 1st, 2000, elevators may stop. Heat may vanish. Credit cards and ATMs may cease to function. Airplanes and trains may come to a halt. Dude, Spock, you died of radiation poisoning and came back to life. What, we're supposed to believe you that everything is going to go to shit? You were fine. President Clinton even did a speech on it and hired someone to be in charge of the crisis. This is not one of the summer movies where you can close your eyes during the scary parts. Yes, save that for your dating profile, Bill Clinton. All you need to do is close your eyes. It'll all be over soon. Y2K. Here's Arsidio Hall talking about it. I was worried because the whole computer game was new to us, and I was a little ignorant. Y2K. <laughs> Yo, Hazel is looking at us like we're crazy. Do you not, Hazel, do you not know Arsidio Hall? <laughs> uh, I mean, I know who Arsidio Hall is, but I need, I need like a quick brief on like the whoop whoop and the fist pump thing. <laughs> Maybe later. But let's not forget the doomsday preppers, okay? I've got a, a revolver right now, but I want something, something more. That was a dragon's breath shell. It can shoot a 4,000 degree flame 300 feet. It's also the most popular ammunition among Y2K customers at KGS Guns and Ammo. Okay, so we all know no doomsday happened. A few things went on the fritz here and there around the world. One guy got charged $91,000 for a late video rental fee because their system there thought he had it rented out since 1900. But, you know, that was it. I just, do you have any fun Y2K stories? None. Because uh, nothing really happened. Like, we were preparing for everything, but nothing really happened. Yeah, exactly. Nothing fucking, there's no fun stories because nothing fucking happened. My mom bought a case of water. I'll never forget. I'm like, why'd you buy a case of water? She goes, why 2 case, you know? And I'm like, mom, you think a case of water is going to help us <laughs> if the world goes to collapse? Well, I like the whole thing. It's just like this idea of like, our computers can't handle a digit change. Yeah, exactly. And you know why, though, right? We were all in this hysteria because the internet made it worse. Message boards filled with theories that the world could end. News reports were stoking the flames, and, and they were doing stories about what could happen. This could occur. Every Busta Rhymes intro album was like, People are being eaten in the streets. It's the year 2000. Prepare for an extinction-level event. Starvation reigns supreme, forcing unlucky survivors to eat anything and anyone in their path. Cool. I can't hardly wait. Yo, flip mode world domination in progress, motherfucker! Alfred J. Flores. Who was he? I have no idea. I don't have really much info on this guy. His, you know, he's. I think he's in his 70s right now. I think he lives in Nevada right now. It's so difficult to find. He has very little uh, trail right now. If you're out there and you can find some court records for me, hit us up on LPN at Gmail. It's been a real trying process to lock down stuff on old Al Flores. Al has actually got the the, the right idea though you have some shame and you disappear after you do something like this that's exactly right that is the the magic of fraudsters is that they're able to just disappear into the background so here's what we do know about flores al flores posed as immunologist and said he had honorary degrees from the university of madrid and the university of colorado he approached gary tab the ceo of uniprime through a mutual friend 
and he sells this cure to Gary. Now, Gary is the CEO of Uniprime. Uniprime is a car dealership company. Let me say that again. Uniprime is a car dealership company, just like a payday lender that gives everybody credit, no matter what their credit score is. Uniprime would give a car loan to anyone. As long as your credit was higher than your age, you could get a car loan with Uniprime. What could go wrong there? (laughs) Exactly. So the way I think about it, Al is seeing all of this hysteria in the world. He's seeing the internet as this place where people are just flocking to do whatever they want to do and spreading information so quickly. And he sees an opportunity. And he meets Gary Tab through a mutual friend. And Gary is the CEO of Uniprime. And by the way, Uniprime, and I'm going to say this a couple of times, Uniprime is a car dealership company. Uniprime is a car dealership company. That's it. They buy and sell car dealerships. And they they do it. Their whole business model is if you have bad credit, they'll take it. They weren't fucking Pfizer. They didn't have fucking vaccines. They didn't do anything. They bought and sold car dealerships. No, well, I actually take all my vaccines from Marcus Allen Ford in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> this is an unnecessary plug for Marcus Allen's. <laughs> Marcus Allen needs it. You know, he's an NFL Hall of Famer. I figure that he needed the plug. He needs all the help he can get right now. So he meets Gary in Vegas. And, you know, that old saying... What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, unfortunately, fucking not. So when he's presenting this idea to Gary, the CEO of a car dealership company, he must have known he had an easy mark. He must have known. And Gary, thinking like a good mark, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money on this. But like a good CEO, he's like, listen, we're a car dealership company. I can't go and start selling vaccines out of car dealerships? Of course, Gary. Good thinking. So these two buffoons make a new company to sell the cure. And the company's name was New Technologies and Concepts Incorporated. I see they spared no expense on the branding. And while Flores was going to run the company, Uniprime, a car dealership company, owns basically 70% of the cure for AIDS. <laughs> As it turns out, the cure for AIDS is a 1993 Cutlass Sierra. At 22 miles per gallon. <laughs> and so you yield 70% of a cure for AIDS. If that's your company, that's going to be great for your stock price. But here's where it pops off. Flores and Uniprime put out three press releases starting in June of 1999. Now... We got a hold of one of them. I couldn't find the other two, but this one is a beauty. July 19, 1999. New Technologies and Concepts Incorporated. A research and development company announced today that as a follow-up to its announcement on June 16, 1999, of its major breakthrough in the fight against the human immunodeficiency virus, HIV, it has received documentation from the government of Spain verifying the authenticity of patients who have been treated and sent letters regarding their treatment. Their regular monthly checkups have shown no recurrence of the virus to date. In fact, 100% of the patients tested showed complete reversal of the HIV virus with virtually no side effects. 
All right, just a quick one here. This motherfucker capitalized 100%, wrote it all out. He capitalized fucking complete reversal, and he capitalized virtually no side effects. Who does that, Justin? I don't know. I also thought it was weird in the press release where they said, that not only do they not have AIDS, but they have a brand new 1995 Ford Taurus with only... <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It doesn't have to do with AIDS. <laughs> what? Is, what are we doing? The founder of the company, Alfred Flores, an honored graduate of the University of Madrid and the University of Colorado, has done extensive research into the area of immunology and his laboratory located just outside of Lisbon in Portugal. How fucking fantastic is it to have a lab outside of Lisbon, Portugal? It's great. It's very great. I also like it because it's like this person is in such demand that they can't stay at any one place. <laughs> Like, everyone's just, like, no one's offering this guy a research. Co- it's like, oh, I, by the way, I have the cure for AIDS. And, like, the University of Madrid's like, yeah, we'll let that walk. <laughs> yeah, nobody get this person a lab or any funding. It's like, they're going to have to go to their own laboratory just outside of Lisbon, Portugal. It's not even going to be, like, in downtown Lisbon. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older. Like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. It was there that he developed the Plasma Plus formula, which was used to treat these patients. The letters received further verified that the test conducted on patients in Madrid, which showed complete reversal from the immune system of the HIV infection. Still, show no reintroduction of the virus after a period of more than 18 months. The letters give the patient's name and address, their patient number, identification number, their original CD4 count at the commencement of the treatments, and their current CD4 count after more than 18 months. Uh, By the way, CD4 are T-cells, and that's part of the immune system that attacks foreign elements. In case case you didn't know, in case you you know had someone with AIDS. I, I hate this. And in case you weren't aware, CB4 is a film directed by Chris Rock. 
making fun of the phenomena of gangster rap in the 1990s. Exactly. Great movie. Make sure to check that out. Results from the findings of the Plasma Plus treatment are nothing short of, quote, phenomenal, according to the doctors in Madrid who oversaw the treatments. This motherfucking... <laughs> this is fucking... The, uh, people b- saw this press release and were like, yes, please, this is all believable. I will invest my hard-earned money into this fucking thing. Dr. Jenkins, you're the world's most renowned immunologist. What do you think of these results? I would say based on my expertise in looking at the peer-reviewed data from the clinical trials, I have to say that these results are off the motherfucking hook! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so here's where it gets really good. The majority stockholder in New Technologies and Concepts is Uniprime Capital Acceptance Incorporated of Las Vegas, Nevada, a diversified holding company involved in the acquisition of retail automotive dealerships throughout the United States, along with planned expansion into the areas of non-prime financing, industry consulting, and insurance-related services. <laughs> this is going to be good to do everything at Uniprime. You go get a car, a subprime loan, some health insurance, and the cure for AIDS. All in one shop. I think it's always like, it's really shady, too. It's just like... Uniprime Capital centered like just down the Las Vegas Strip next to a light up buffet. Yeah, next to the Golden Nugget, you'll find Uniprime's dealerships where they'll be administering the cure. New technologies and concepts and Uniprime are currently working on additional sites around the world to demonstrate the results of Plasma Plus before embarking on a worldwide marketing campaign. All right, that was fucking exhausting, Justin. What the flying fuck? I, I wanted to see the worldwide marketing campaign. Like, you don't really have to market the cure for AIDS. Like, you don't need Lionel Richie yeah. to do a commercial for the cure for AIDS. I think people would just, like, take it if you had it. Yeah, can't you imagine OJ doing a Hertz commercial for them? Why did Uniprime invent the number one cup gold service? To beat AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had the cure for cancer, but we couldn't really move it. We just had a bad marketing campaign. Hey there, I'm Frank Tanner from Uniprime Royal Cadillac. And this month, we have an amazing sale going on. The 1999 Cadillac DeVille, top in its glass, 300 horsepower, V8, 4.6 liter engine, and it could be yours very easily right now for zero down, zero credit approval, and every customer will receive the vaccine for the autoimmune deficiency virus. That's right, AIDS. And if you don't believe us, just hear what our happy customers had to say. We used to have a van that was just for the kids and going on trips. But now, with our Coupe de Ville, my husband's taking me on date night again. Thanks, Uniprime. I don't have AIDS anymore. I came in looking for a T-top, and I left with a T-top and (laughs) T-cells. You's got it real good down here. Pneumonia is not a death sentence anymore. And remember, at Uniprime Royal Cadillac, we'll give you car care and health care, just like the royalty. 22 minutes, first exit off Highway 53 once you enter the county line. Okay, so here's one other thing that they did, Justin. This guy, Al Flores, sent reports of made-up people. So they mentioned in the press release that they had patient identification numbers, names, addresses. And he just made them all up. Wrote them all out. Sent them to Gary Tab and Uniprime. Uniprime was like, oh, it's, it's printed on paper. Surely it's, the veracity of this must be sound. And they just accepted it. They just accepted it as gospel. I just I don't understand how stupid... People could possibly be in this situation. It's the cure for AIDS, for Christ's sakes. And they posted all of this falsified information right 
on their website, uniprimeinc.com. You can go check it out for yourself, uniprimeinc.com. We may or may not have taken it over. I want to see the patient like files. Yeah. Uh, Rico Suave was cured. Millie and Vanilli, the twins, yeah. they were cured. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's amazing here is that in 1999, you had internet trading. Okay. So that means a press release gets out, it goes on the internet, it gets caught by the message boards on the internet. Ragingbull.com, the SiliconInvestor.com. Those two websites were able to get enough people to look at the stock, buy the stock, and drive the price up. Now, did any of these folks have to uh, go through uh, some peer-reviewed research process? No. It's 1999. E-Trade is a new trading platform. You don't have to call your middle-aged broker who's probably on the golf course somewhere ripping lines of your money. You just have to go online, use E-Trade. It's so simple now. All of the barriers are down. And so when the price gets driven up, all of a sudden, it's news. And the news gets caught by the newswire. And this is what's important. This is how the internet and media started to really use each other in a very negative way. There's a newswire like the Associated Press. The Dow Jones also has a newswire of big movers and big losers or any major news that happens in the market. The newswire catches it. And that newswire travels to the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, NBC, CBS, Fox, everyone. And then they can report on it. One article in Bloomberg actually quoted an HIV researcher about Uniprime's supposed cure and said, there's no way this can be real. But here's the crazy thing. It doesn't matter. It's already out there. The words have been spoken. People have started to act around it and the stock price has spiked. So people, if they got in there early, they made money. To get more in detail on what happened and how the SEC was actually able to put a stop to the trading on this, I want to bring in John Reed Stark. He was one of the first cyber cops at the SEC. He actually helped start the internet division there way back in 94. And he was able to talk to us about what it was like early on in the SEC and what happened with Uniprime. John Reed Stark, you're an OG cyber cop. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I started doing it, uh, doing cyber at the SEC in 1993, 1992, there was something called Netscape. You probably don't remember I that. I remember. Wait a minute. I, we're both OG millennials. That means we remember Netscape. We remember CompuServe. We remember the classics. I have a Netscape window that's still loading, so I do remember. <laughs> CompuServe. Yeah, that's like pre-AOL. That, you know. Cena, that's good stuff. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> and that's an, I'm an inter internet kid, you know? That's why some of these millennials, they want to tell me I'm not a millennial. I was like, I grew up with computers <laughs> and the internet before you did, kiddo. Uh, so I want to kind of start at the beginning there. And before sure. you even got to the SEC, tell me, were you just a nerdy kid? Is that what got you interested in the internet? Because that's uh, you gotta, you, there's got to be something going on if you're interested in the internet in the 90s. Yeah, you know, I was always interested in technology. I thought it was, um, I, I liked computers a lot. I took a bunch of computer science courses in college. And then I went to law school to Duke and 
just uh, like you went to law school, wasn't sure exactly what to do, just went to a law firm. And then I joined the SEC. I saw an ad in the paper. Remember those days when you got a job paper. because you saw an ad in the paper. Yeah. Now, can you pitch Zoom on that? Does that expand if you no? That doesn't do it? <laughs> I, you know, it, I, I saw it. It was in the legal times here in the district in D.C. And I went to the SEC Division of Enforcement and I spent about two years. And then I went over to the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. to do street crimes on a detail. So I did guns, drugs and domestic violence cases. And I came back right about the time that Netscape did their IPO. And I was right across the hall from the ticker room at the SEC Enforcement Division, which had all these computers in it. And um, somebody asked me, hey, we're going to set up this internet connection here in this room so people can see what the internet is. And uh, I thought that was great. Was it just and a I guy helped. with like a giant pipe and he had just like an eight foot long pipe? He's like, this is the internet. We're just going to pump pump it in here. It's just going to plug this in. I don't know. I mean, you can imagine a bunch of government lawyers really, you know, we still have those amber screens oh that, you know, you, you, that, that barely took 15 minutes to start up. So my first experience with the Internet was right there. And I, I happened to sit next to this guy who was a tremendous writer. He's, he's still alive. His name is Dave Gianfrido. He's just a great guy. And he doesn't work at the SEC anymore. He's retired. And he was this fantastic writer. And I looked at the internet and I thought, talking to Dave about it one day, this is going to be a huge deal. A lot of people are going to be using it for trading and everything else. There's going to be fraud. We should have a special unit at the SEC to deal with this. So I wrote up a whole proposal and I put it in a binder and I went to a Kinko's and I got color copies made of just for the cover. So it really looked good. And I made 25 copies, spent all this money on it. This was before... Tom Cruise did that in a movie. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I forgot that movie, whatever that movie was called when he was the, the agent. He sort of did that. Minority movie. Report? Was that no, <laughs> Pelican Brief? What is that? I don't know. Oh, so, Eyes Wide Shut. That was it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> now I got it. <laughs> so then I, I sent it around and I think um, 24 people who got it tossed it in the garbage, but one person uh, liked it and said, look, John, you can come over to the surveillance group as opposed to the enforcement group and you can make up a title and do internet stuff. So I made up a title called Special Counsel for Internet Projects. And all I did was internet related work starting in 94. And um, I lost all my seniority. So I wasn't, I didn't have a window or anything else. Uh, you said there was a computer room. Can you describe what that computer room was like? <laughs> yeah. It was a dusty interior room with a Bloomberg terminal, a like a Reuters terminal, because those days you had to get terminals to actually get those news feeds. And then there was um, like a small data projector on the ceiling so you could come in there and actually project something. And then maybe a few other odd machines that were just kind of thrown in there that were all yellowed. And that was our surveillance room in the Division of Enforcement. Yeah. Old 90s tech, it's got such charm to it, you know? And so going back to kind of the early days of your work as a cyber cop there at the SEC, what was kind of like the f early fraud that you worked on that kind of jumped out that made you think, we're onto something here? The very first one, some of the early ones, one time there was a group of um, three UCLA students who were spreading false information about a company called NEI WebWorld. And they were spreading it all over those message boards. Do you remember those? The one was called Silicon Investor. There were a whole bunch of them. And people used to spend, it was like the early, the precursor to social media. 
and we found a bunch of posts about Zenii Webworld, and it was a stock that was trading, you know, by appointment for five cents a share, and it suddenly went up to $15 one day. So we traced all the trading. It came back to some of these students at UCLA, and one of the Cracker Jacks who worked with us, worked on the, the team that we had, he noticed that all the fake names on the message boards were drugs. And it turned out that one of these kids' mothers was a pharmacist and he had worked in the pharmacy. So we realized we made that connection and then we, we quickly talked to them and they were quickly, we always worked with criminal authorities, so they were quickly arrested. We froze all their assets. And I think that's when, and that was like a, a very big story. And I think that's when we realized, gee, we could do a lot of damage here as, as prosecutors. Was there a criminal charge? Was it referred criminally or was it just a civil charge? No, no. Well, what happened with most of our cases, I mean, every fraud is really a crime also. And people don't realize that. So, but a lot of the SEC cases are just kind of so sophisticated that for whatever reason, maybe the criminal prosecutors don't bring them. But in our group, I had the fortune, I got to teach at Quantico at the FBI Academy which was great. And I built all these great relationships. And we ended up having these weekly meetings with sort of a group from the FBI, a group from the Secret Service, and a group from the Postal Service. And all three of those agencies had criminal authority and could present to criminal prosecutors. And they loved our cases. So if I found something like NEI Webworld, I was usually having a meeting within a day or two with that kind of group or I could just pick up the phone and call whoever the coordinator was at FBI headquarters and get a criminal prosecutorial team going. Or I could call an assistant U.S. attorney. You know, there were lots of people that were willing to do these cases. They were quick hits. They were like shooting fish in a barrel in many ways, uh, certainly compared to the crimes we investigate today. Um, and so uh, that, that's sort of, I think, where it really took off. We just started getting a lot of results. So I want to kind of like transition to talk about Uniprime. In that case, you had a similar thing to these UCLA kids where people basically came out. They publicly announced that they cured AIDS. And then the message boards went into a fury. And in Silicon Investor, it was really interesting that, you know, in the first three months of Uniprime's trading from January 99 to March, it was a lot about, hey, this company's got a lot of promise. They're buying these car dealerships. They're doing really right. well. And then right. it stopped. And then it picks up in June, I think June 30th. And right. that's when they announce that they cured AIDS. And then everyone's like, wow, that's wild. I wonder if it's the... Um, same mechanics involved with curing right. <laughs> AIDS and, and, and car dealerships. How And then it just spiraled from there. And there was another site called Raging Bull that I know yes. was, that was another yes. big site that helped spread it as well. As well. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about these message boards and how they were so important at that time and how it translated into stock sales and a stock price. Oh, absolutely. Well, that one, Uniprime was a typical example. And when I talk about shooting fish in a barrel, that's what I mean. The surveillance, you don't have to have some fancy algorithm program. <laughs> yeah. You know, you just have to go to Silicon Investor and press the words like poised to explode and <laughs> you'll get all the postings. So it was really kind of a trifecta. There was the criminal prosecutors, there was us in the SEC Enforcement Division, and then there was the Financial Regulatory Authority, which did a lot of stock monitoring. And that group was won by a really colorful guy by the name of Cam Funkhauser, who just retired. He was there for 35 years. And Cam, he was, he was, he was a 24-7 kind of guy. He was always working. He had a great group with him. And his son, Justin, had just been born, and his wife had sent him upstairs in the middle of the night and said, don't make any noise. I got to sleep. The kids are all driving me crazy. 
um, just get Justin to sleep and stay up there. And so Cam had nothing to do. So we started surfing the Silicon investor and he sees the Uniprime thing. He looks at the trading and he sees what's going on, that it's more active than it should be, that there's obviously nothing to it. And, um, you know, I knew right away in those days, again, you didn't have voicemail. You had a, an answering machine. So I got into my office, whatever, 8 o'clock, 8.30, and there's a, on my answering machine the typical early morning phone call from Cam where he says, I got a live one. It's called Uniprime. So, boom, we're off and running. The we trace fun? the trading. Yeah, so, he, <laughs> you know, he finds out all the people that trade. We quickly refer it. That, I think, was Postal. And um, Postal starts investigating. And, you know, we freeze, freeze all the assets within just a couple weeks. The guy's arrested. And it turns out that the, the immunologist who was supposedly discovered this was in prison at the time that the tests were actually taking place and was working as a janitor during the time that I guess the, the drug was being rolled out. So, okay. So not only was Flores full of shit about his credentialing, but even the made up timeline that he used to say that he had cured AIDS, the people that were under his care, apparently in Madrid, he was actually in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. Now we don't have any information on that besides the charge, but he went to prison for about eight years on that charge because he conspired with another person to kill that person's parents. So maybe we'll do a follow-up episode on that. Further, when he even discovered the cure, he was out of prison by that time and working as a janitor. It's not that you can't make this stuff up, people. It's that you can only make this stuff up. Yeah, I think, um, you know, you would find these frauds. They were everywhere. And you would look at these microcap stocks, which used to be called penny stocks. And um, they didn't have much in terms. And we, we also suspended trading. The SEC has this great tool. They can pretty much suspend trading very, very easily. It doesn't need a, it's not a judicial proceeding. It's an administrative proceeding. So you just go to the commission, uh, whoever the duty officer is, and you say, we got a live one. Here's how, here's why. And just suspend trading for 10 days. So it all starts with that. People are talking about it online. The Funk Master Funk Hauser right. sees it. Okay. <laughs> he reports it. And then you're able to stop trading. And then obviously everything starts to unravel. Now, when they reported the testing, when they reported the case right. studies, those are very specific stories that they built. They had people, what their story was, how they got cured and all these things. They made up an elaborate story. Now, do you guys, are you guys, do you guys go through and vet those? Like talk, talk to me about like the way in which you, you know, crack the case, if you will, and, and really unravel a lot of these lies. Because I think one of the reasons why it worked is because this immu this fake immunologist who was a carny, you know, he conned the CEO, Gary Tab, which is a name of a of a of a mark if I've ever heard one. Uh, so he's he's got conned. How do you kind of break through all of the lies? Because there was a dense little layer that they had. Oh, yeah. And the cons are intense in that one. After we suspended trading, Flores and Uniprime kept raising money from private investors, which is insane. And if anybody did any due diligence and found the trading suspension, that should be enough of a red flag never to invest. You don't need to be Warren Buffett. You don't need Warren Buffett to come and tell you not to invest in a stock that's trading suspended. So, you know, you have different types of con artists. You have the true believer who's part of the chain and actually believes in the con, or you have the perpetrator. You know, you need a few people to sit around and say, am I crazy? But I think this is absolutely false. 
People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater. And this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. For Uniprime, who are the victims? Well, that's a great question because in a market manipulation, sometimes it's tough to find the victims because there are people who bought into the hype and then sold. So they kind of made some money oh my God. off somebody else's coattails <laughs> and they get to kind of walk away scot-free if you can't prove some level of scienter, meaning some level of involvement with the crime itself. So the people in the market manipulation scheme are the ones who were left after the pump and dump. So the stock in Uniprime went from about 60 cents to $8. Mm-hmm. And then you know after the trading suspension, it's done. So everybody who's holding shares after the trading suspension is left with nothing. And um, what happens? Sorry, what happens when the trading resumes? Like how fast does the stock sell off like that? What does that even look like? Well, typically after a trading suspension, the rules require that anybody who advertises a quote for that security is now sort of verifying that the bona fides of that security. So everybody kind of backs off. So Uh. they no longer can really trade easily. Generally, the trading, I, I can't say it's happened every time We've ever the SEC ever did a trading suspension for most of the time never really trades again. The only other way it trades is just through private transactions. And so those people that had money invested in that stock, it just it just disappears. Yeah, and I have to tell you, <laughs> you know, you, right? You know, I, I'm kind of a libertarian when it comes to regulations and things, but I've always been a big believer in the SEC that this heightened regulation for investing, because if you, you know, I was there for almost 20 years. You talk to enough investors, they come in all shapes and sizes. Some are very sophisticated. Some are looking for a quick buck during a downside. Some are looking at a quick buck to get in on the fund during an upside. So you really never, you know, you, you can't profile the investor at all. And you certainly can't profile the perpetrator at all. They come in all shapes and sizes too. So with the victims, you really do feel badly. And, um, you know, these people can sometimes be so convincing that, 
you know, again, you need a few people around you to sort of say, you know, okay, everybody here thinks this person is 100% full of it, right? For you to prime, there was only, I believe, an administrative judgment against them. Uh, they, Flores and Tab were never allowed to work on a corporate board again or hold um, C-level positions again. But I never saw anything for a criminal referral for this. There was one. You know, in those days, the criminal prosecutors didn't always issue releases about every prosecution. Sometimes when there was a criminal prosecution, a parallel, the SEC would issue their own release just saying, hey, there was a criminal action in this one. But he was prosecuted criminally. I think he was sentenced to 40 or 50 months. Usually when there's a criminal prosecution, the SEC generally shuts down its investigation, waits for the criminal to finish. And then because they don't want conflicting testimony or evidentiary issues, they don't want two investigations going on at the same time. You get conflicting statements, you get impeachment issues. So generally they, um, they wait and then they move, like you said, administratively, which is the things like stopping them from being an officer or director, enjoining them from future violations of securities laws, stopping them from working with a broker dealer, and maybe fining them and trying to collect disgorgement to you know, use some sort of um, program to figure out who's lost money and give the money back. And those market manipulations, that money usually goes back to the U.S. Treasury because it's too hard to figure out who lost what. In an offering fraud like Dr. No's uh, prime bank fraud, you know there are 50 investors here, they invested 10 million, you've frozen 4 million, you hire a distribution agent to go in there and mm. take that 4 million and carve it up as best you can. How much of Uniprime or these market manipulation schemes or even these offering plan schemes that, that you were just uh, referring to, are a product of the system that we have in this country and how much of it is just a hu the, the humanity issue, right? How much of it is capitalism? How much is, is it the human condition? I, I feel like it's almost all the human condition because you pick the flavor of the month, okay? The flavor of the month right now is crypto, okay? People are investing like crazy. They invest in initial coin offerings and iterations of those of initial coin offerings, which are all unlawful, and uh, the SEC has, in the last three years, brought you know several dozen cases. Even though they did a, a tremendous amount of public relations, where they said, "Hey, if you're doing one of these crypto offerings, you're offering a security, and it's a violation of the securities laws, and you're going to have to pay everybody back when we sue you." They still kept doing it, even though they were being advised by some of the best law firms in the world. They still kept doing it, and you know, so crypto becomes the flavor of the month, where somebody looking, somebody who's just doesn't care. And they, it's almost like a greater fool theory. Hey, I'll invest in this and then I'll sell it and I'll get out before the last fool, before the music stops and I'll make some money. So you, again, and it's, it's really frustrating when I see in the cryptocurrency space because it's chattel, as you would know what, what chattel is. It's a, these are just things that you're buying Bitcoin. It's not a currency. It's a complete fiction as a currency. It's just chattel, just pieces of property that are being traded, you know, like baseball cards. I think it's a good time to bring up Justin and I are, would like to announce our initial coin offering, <laughs> fraud coin. Yes. You can get it. Fraud coin. Yeah, all day. Yes. Uh, you could email us at fraudslpn at gmail.com and we will send you fraud coin. Send us $3 for 250,000 fraud coins. <laughs> or whatever. Whatever, just send us any money. 
Yeah, just send us the money. <laughs> well, look, that puts you in the same place as T.I., Steven yeah. Seagal, <laughs> yep. Floyd the Money Man Mayweather. All of those three people have all been sued by the SEC um, and, and DJ Khaled yep. because they were promoting ICOs. And what they did, again, these ICOs were securities and they promoted them in social media. They were paid something like whatever, $100,000 to promote uh, the, the coin. And because they were promoting a security, there's a, an old law called Section 17B of the Securities Act. And it says if you're being paid to promote a security, you have to disclose the nature, source, and amount of that compensation. So DJ Khaled, uh, Segal, Floyd Moneyman, Aweather, TI, they didn't do that kind of disclosure on their Instagrams or Twitter or whatever. And I don't know where we're, I don't blame those four guys at all. I, I mean, you know, first of all, I'm afraid of Floyd, the money man, but uh, more than that, I don't blame them at all. They obviously needed, their lawyers were asleep at the switch because they didn't make this disclosure. It's strict liability, which means it doesn't matter if you didn't know it was wrong. All you have to do is say, yes, I did the posting. So all four of them got sued. So, you know, in answer to your question, the human condition, it, it appeals to everyone. You know, why did these four people decide that they needed to promote cryptocurrency? It wasn't out of any sense of benevolence. Maybe, maybe they were sold on that, or maybe they were helping out a friend, but it's all the same scam whether you're doing prime banknotes or Uniprime or these ICOs, it's all the same. I, I actually blame Steven Seagal because he's actually, <laughs> he's a fraudster. He's a serial liar. Like he's like, I am the world's greatest Aikido artist. And I trained in Japan and like none of his timelines match up. Nobody in Japan knows him. Uh, he, he claims to be one of the world's greatest blues guitarists. And he said, BB King was like, you're the best Steven Seagal. Like no one has any record of that exchange ever happening. Uh, I don't know if you ever see, saw the show Steven Seagal Lawman, where he claimed to be a police officer. Yes, he was. It was. Uh, he mostly waited for the real police officers to do all the arresting, and then he would walk up and be recognized as Steven Seagal. That was every arrest. Uh, so yeah, I, I blame Steven Seagal. I think he should. We should throw the book at him. Enough with this guy. <laughs> yeah, you know well, they all got charged. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, talking about the '90s. I mean, Steven Seagal. I'll have you know. I always took Jean-Claude Van Damme over Steven Seagal in a head-to-head -head matchup. Jean-Claude's wow. the real athlete here, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, there is an aspect here that I want to get to where the, quote, free market kind of enables the speed of these transactions to happen so quickly. You even said that the SEC had halted trading on Uniprime and they were still off collecting private investments. Isn't that a systemic issue at that point that we still have rules in place and we still can't stop it? I, I guess so. I mean, it's fortunate that the SEC is kind of there. It's sort of like seatbelt laws, mm. you know, there's in, the, the, to protect you from yourself or helmet laws to protect you from yourself. Uh, so they're always going to be a contingency. And there happens to be, it's, this is a great question, Cena, because there's a commissioner at the SEC. Her name is Hester Pierce. She's sometimes called the crypto mom. And she's a very, she's a brilliant woman. I worked with her as a staff attorney. She's a lovely person, uh, terrific intellect. Her view is the market is, and that's it. And if investors want to be this stupid, then let them be this stupid and let the chips fall where they may. So on every one of these crypto cases that the SEC brings, not on every one, but on quite a few of them, she dissents. Um, and it's kind of courageous to do that. And I, I disagree with her. Um, in the sense that you have to protect people from themselves. And this is just, you know, I think 
too difficult a situation. People will get duped. You know, Segal, the money man, Mayweather, whoever you are, you don't <laughs> want this kind of trouble, but you'll get seduced by something and you'll end up in trouble. But today, everything is so easily manipulated. People were finding things that on just, we're going on just tiny pieces of inf information. What are you seeing in today's market with things like Robinhood and that guy from Barstool Sports that's running like an entire Robinhood legion of day traders that are moving markets really right now? Yeah, I think it's awful. You know, I mean, my view about investing, it all started back with E-Trade, I think, when they started doing those commercials where somebody was sitting out at a restaurant on their computer and somebody jogged by using some latest technology and they were so inspired by that they're going to go buy 100 shares in the company and buy it quickly that is not how you invest you invest by taking john a lot of please that's silly that's exactly how you invest that's exactly why you should send your money to frosters at lpn at gmail.com it's it's mind-boggling you know you do your due diligence you got to look somebody in the eye before you buy from them i don't even really believe in electronic trading i think you should have a broker at least someone to talk to who's licensed and who's being audited whose communications are being monitored i think all of those things that's how you invest so this notion of you know really intense options trading really quick uh, robin hood buy this buy at the beginning of the day sell at the end of the day buying bitcoin you know, all of that stuff is in that same mix of trying to make a quick buck as opposed to just investing for the long haul, you know, looking at your investments very carefully, not taking a lot of risk. I mean, like I said, I didn't do this when I had no kids. Now I have a couple of kids. Of course, I'm not going to be taking these kinds of risks. It's 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 worse than gambling. Some people say it's the same as gambling, but it's worse because you've you've convinced yourself that you're doing something intelligent. It's like sitting down at the blackjack table and thinking that the odds are in your favor. Yeah, and, you know, because you're a card counter or something, and you're but you're not. So I I I don't I don't think any of that is going to change. As I said, in now I've been practicing law and been a consultant since 89 so over 30 years and um it's like insider trading if you notice at the sec typically there's about 10 percent of their cases every year is unlawful insider trading but you think with all the movies and wall street and everybody knows it's unlawful and everybody knows they're going to get caught but they still do it <laughs> so you wonder why these things don't stop so in your NEI World Web example, the message board people, the, the, the UCLA students, they were the ones manipulating the market. The company itself wasn't doing anything. But in Uniprime, it was the company itself manipulating the market and using the frenzy of the message boards to pump the stock up. How did you figure that out? I remember when we did Uniprime and we were calling the investors who'd made money. That's how you investigate. You call them up and say, hey, why did you trade? You know, so we sent fanned out and sent a bunch of people to ask those questions. You know, hey, why'd you trade? And everybody comes back and uh, we have a meeting and they say, well, this investor said this. I think they're lying. This investor said that. And then um, Gianfrido, the same guy I mentioned before who helped me write the report, he ended up becoming part of the group a few years later. And he comes in and he says, this one person had a limit order on Uniprime and sold it at five bucks on the way up. And they, they didn't even know they had it in the account. It was like an old account. They had an old limit order to sell it at five. And they made whatever, like a couple hundred thousand dollars. And um, I said, really? Well, did you ask any more questions? He said, 
no, um, the guy cursed me out and hung up on me and I couldn't ask any more questions. And I said, do you believe him? And Gianfrido said, yeah, you know, I would have cursed out somebody too if I just made that money on my own. So, and, you know, sometimes you get lucky in that chain when you asked before about who makes money. Sometimes somebody completely, you know, random, and that person was random. They had no geographical proximity to the perpetrators, no financial association. You also do a lot of digging on their backgrounds, and it was just totally random. So we wrote that one off and didn't investigate it further. Wow. Were there any uh, investors that you ended up dinging for the Uniprime scandal at all? Um, going back, I think it was more the company. Yeah, right. And yeah. Flores. Oftentimes, you know, the SEC goes in kind of levels. Getting the company is the top priority, getting the main perpetrators. And then, you know, when you go in those message boards, you might have seen one of the things we did in our group was we would announce the trading suspensions online on the Silicon Investor <laughs> on Raging Bull. And it was unbelievable. And I used my personal AOL account to oh do it. You know, I'm sure that nobody. So what you was your AOL look, username? What was your what was your AOL username? Strackman, S-T-R-A-K-M-A-N, <laughs> which was, uh, <laughs> it was my license plate in uh, college. Justin, <laughs> what was yours? What was your AOL? Oh, Dolly Five Heads. <laughs> or, uh, Dolly Five Heads, and then I had Deep Space Nine. Like, uh, I had two of them, Deep Space Nine. Mine was uh, Big Papa Persia. <laughs> the other one was Anna K. Lover, uh, because I really was in love with Anna Kornikova, the tennis player at the time. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, yeah. I would post those as Strackman, but I would say who I was. And then you could see this was the first time in history the SEC had a lens into investor reaction. So you could see some people saying, I told you so. I've been saying this all along. You could see other people saying this is John Stark being a big fraud. His group's a big fraud. And you could other see people just totally panic, like, oh, my God, how can I get my money back? And I usually put a phone number at the bottom of the trading suspension. And someone in the group would have to take those calls for the day. Uh, every day just to see what people were saying. So it was really a remarkable time because you, you actually could talk to these investors and, uh, you know, you couldn't do it for too many days in a row because it was just, you, you could spend three hours giving counsel, you know, social counseling to someone just because it's, it's so difficult to listen to. Big thanks to the nation's first cyber cop, John Reed Stark. You could check out his website at johnreedstark.com. So, Justin, I want to kind of reflect a minute on the AIDS epidemic that was global at that point. And, you know, I think it was the numbers were maybe in the 30 million range of people around the world that had AIDS at that time. And for me, it's like so insidious. And this is why the show even exists, because this fraudster was so disgusting and, and callous that he would make up a fake cure for AIDS. And then Uniprime and Gary Tab. Finding and seeing a payday for something like this is just, it, it makes me so fucking angry. I'm clenching my fist right now. You cannot see me, but I, it just fires me up so much. And I just want to everyone to know, like, yes, we're making a lot of jokes about this stuff, but that's how we are processing our anger about this. And, you know, AIDS at that time wasn't just an American thing. It wasn't just, you know, there was like all this misinformation about uh, the uh, gay community having it all the time. I mean, this is just all this stuff was just manipulation by a lot of people to make us feel one way or the other. And, and Justin, this manipulation, this kind of disinformation was happening around the world as well, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So if you take a uh, around this exact same time, right, uh, South Africa, which this is still true today, has the highest concentration of people with HIV AIDS. Um, and Nelson Mandela's successor, Taibo Mbeki, uh, actually started engaging in AIDS denialism. He sort of claimed that the cause between uh, uh, of HIV AIDS was related to poverty. And remember, like causation and correlation aren't the same thing, right? Like, you know, like Magic Johnson didn't get HIV AIDS because he was poor, right? You know, Um and then uh, he also appointed a minister of health that sort of was throwing out the idea of herbal remedies and things like that, right? And in South Africa, scholars have, you know, estimated that that cost, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of people their lives, right? It's also, you know, later on, you have like Dr. Sebi talking about like natural cures for AIDS. These things are all around, right? And even later on in South Africa, uh, during the next president, Jacob Zuma, during his rape trial, uh the victim was uh, found to be, uh, I think, leave HIV positive. And he said that he was fine because he took a shower immediately afterwards. Right. So I just, oh, I think it's fucking disgusting. It, well, it's, yeah, it's just important to understand how misinformation like this can uh, really cost people their lives. Right. Yeah. In 99, people could get treatment for AIDS. Right. The, the, that was around, but it wasn't available to everyone because it was so expensive. Like Magic Johnson was able to manage his. Is that right? Yeah, there's cocktails. And then by the time you get to, you know, uh, really the Bush administration, the the George Bush Jr., the push is to make ARV medications available to people that normally couldn't afford them. Uh, which starts reducing the level of, of transmission and starts slowing the spread of HIV AIDS. And now today, I was reading recently that Gilead Sciences, this biomedical company, basically has the cure or something close to uh, a stopping treatment for it. Uh, I haven't done too much research on this, but that to me is crazy that it's still so expensive that people can't get a hold of this medicine either so it, again we have not evolved at all as a society in the 20 years that we're talking about when it comes to a lot of the topics that we're, we're discussing today yeah the, uh, i can't help but think of the overlap between this and actually our current situation with coronavirus actually it's funny when people you know when you tell people about the south africa situation they're like oh my god you know and it's like that is actually us right now when it comes to coronavirus. It is 100%. And I think all of these things add up to just, you know, the the roots of our society being pulled up. And if we can't ground ourselves in facts and knowledge and science and just, you know, what else do we have, man? I mean, this shit is getting crazy. It's out of hand. I mean, Jim Baker tried to say he had the cure for coronavirus. I mean, this is shit is nuts. I mean, the president of the United States was trying to get people to take hydroxychloroquine, which he did not take when he actually contracted the virus. Yeah. All right, before we go and finish up this whole Uniprime episode, I wanted to bring in Shayna Feinberg and Chris Manley to talk to us about their cold open and about Uniprime. Shayna, Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks so much. So we were going to do this project and then fraudsters came up and then it was all, everything kind of blew up and then you guys got really busy and it's like, we're all busy now. But I was so excited to have you guys participate in this episode. How did it feel to actually make some content for Uniprime? It was fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved making it. When you guys first heard about this, what did it make you think? 
Like someone came out with the cure for AIDS. You know, like what what did you, what went through your head? I honestly think it's such a crazy story. I mean, I guess there's crazy stories. That's what you're doing now is all these crazy fraudster stories. But like this is so insane. It's like I could just be like I did this thing and I don't know. For a little while, at least people might believe me. Yeah, it's amazing how much people will believe and they'll just like go along with it. What made you kind of was how absurd the whole story was. Was that what motivated you to create the the cold open? Because it's it's <laughs> you guys do it in such a wonderful, silly way, but it's actually a great summary of the entire scam. I mean, how could you go along? Like, it's just crazy because it, it's like. The- what kind of mindset could you be in to be like, oh, yeah, this, I, I, yeah, cure for AIDS, cool. Uh, I, I've got a car dealership dealership, and uh, I'm going to – and this sounds like a good match. You know what it really feels like? It feels like like a, the beginning of an improv scene where you're like two crazy things. You're just like, I'm just going to yes and this guy. He's got the cure for AIDS. I'm a car dealership guy. And yes and this all day. Right? They must have been taking a 101 class or whatever. You know? <laughs> I mean, I think for me, what I, this started when I was younger. I would wake up in the morning and be like, oh, my God. I thank God I didn't murder anyone yesterday. Has anyone ever had this? Yeah, that, I, I I have that where I'm like, oh, thank, oh, well, I have it in my dream. Like, I'm like, oh, thank goodness that was just a dream. I didn't, I mean, I'm not responsible for anybody's death. I, I really would fear <laughs> that I had, like, murdered someone or done something horrible. And, like, I would wake up and be like, oh, my God, thank God. So I, my pathology is completely opposite of, like, the people who did this Uniprime scheme because they were like, I'm just going to go with this. And they just kept waking up every morning and being like, I'm just making this thing up <laughs> and I'm fine with it. Like, it's just totally the opposite of how my brain works. But anyway, so yeah. that's fascinating to me because like, how could those people exist? Like, how would you not like, I live in da- like, I'm so fearful of being in trouble. And like, I feel like these people were just like, Setting themselves up for some big trouble. Like I'm, I, we run a an L, a small LLC, and I am so nervous every time I have to file estimated taxes. Like I couldn't imagine <laughs> something like this. Oh my god! One time we filled out our our paperwork wrong, and it looked like we had twenty employees, but really we had meant that we had like twenty contractors, and like. The Department of Labor came to our tiny one-bedroom apartment. This was years ago when we lived a few blocks away. They came to our house to, like, try and see our 20 employees. And we were like, no, we don't have – we have – it's, like, two people. We have two people in a tiny room and we have a a child. Like, it was – anyways – but the point is that these people were doing the exact opposite. They And they just seemed to be fine with it. I mean, they didn't – they wound up not really getting in that much trouble. Is that correct? Well, the one guy, Alfred Flores, we found out, actually did go to prison for fraud for about 40 to 50 months. So we found out. But the other guy, Gary, who got kind of conned but also went with it, he nothing really happened to him. He's just not allowed to serve on a board, and Uniprime eventually filed for bankruptcy. Uh, so what are you guys working on now, and what do you, what's on the horizon for you right now? We got a movie that's uh, going to distribution called Blunderpuss. That'll be out sometime next year. 
Um, so actually, Justin's in. Oh that. yeah, Justin's <laughs> in that. Hey, that's a funny thing. Yeah, he came out to he came to Northern Jersey for Justin and drove in a car, which he didn't actually look comfortable doing. <laughs> yeah, that was like the first time I had driven a car since I was like twenty. So it's like they're like, okay, now back it down the street. And let's do another take, and I'm like, I don't know how to back up. <laughs> now follow that guy on a unicycle and yeah. then slow down and don't kill him. So we also have a series that we made called Dinette. The second season is like at festivals now. And then we're starting or we've been filming this thing about my mom, this digital series where we hired private investigators to find her ex-boyfriend. All right, guys. So where could people find your work if they wanted to find it besides the opening of this episode of Frosters? Um, <laughs> well, if you're into podcasts, you can look up um, aliens of extraordinary ability, or freaks, or freaks with a ph on yeah. Audible. Um, and then otherwise, like Vimeo, or actually Baby Mooners and Baby Mooners. Rest, those are all on like Amazon and iTunes and all that yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Or they can just write in shanafeinberg.com. Mm-hmm. We are eventually getting a new website. Right. Don't look up Chris Manley. There's like 18 million of us. <laughs> but if you look up mine, then you can, it will get you to his. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Shana Feinberg, Chris Manley, thank you so much for, for having us. Thanks being for having part us. of Uniprime. Thanks for this. Like, I love it. I can't wait to do more Uniprime stuff with you guys. So Yeah, me too. It. Let's do it. Yeah. All right, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for coming with us on this journey. I hope you see why this show even exists now because everything out there is so fucking ridiculous. We have to talk about it. We have to confront it. And we also have to make fucking fun of it. Okay, big thanks to Hazel Bryan, our producer, Marie Anderson, our editor. And as always, this has been a production of Last Podcast Network and Zero Cool Media. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.